Ladies and gentlemen, Bodges, Banks and Sparks. Death and Diseases. And what can I do for you? Oh, well, Doctor, it's nothing really important. Oh, well, nice of you to drop in. <laughs> no, no, there is something. Um, I keep getting this pain behind my eyes. Fine. Well, just slip your clothes off and we'll pop you on the pill for six months and that should solve your problems. <laughs> no, Doctor, it's nothing to do with that. I think it might be because I've been working too hard. Worrying too hard? Well, there you are, you see. You won't get pregnant while you're worrying about it. <laughs> So what we'll do is pop you on a course of fertility drugs and in nine months' time you could be the happy mother of Quinn's. Hmm? Doctor, I don't want to have a baby. It's just a mental block, my dear. <laughs> Look, Doctor, I'm not even sleeping with anyone. Well, no wonder you're not getting pregnant. <laughs> there are certain traditions you must follow, you know. <laughs> Look, Doctor, I've told you already, I don't want to have a baby. I've come to you because I'm getting these headaches and I want to know what's causing them. Well... If I knew that, I'd be a very rich man. Everyone gets headaches at some time or another. Too much flicking through the old recipe books, I shouldn't wonder. Now, I'll... <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll pop you on a different diet. What diet are you on at the moment? I'm not on any diet. I just eat what I want. Ah, overindulging. You see, you think you're fat and unattractive. Can't get a man, start worrying about it, get a headache, and hey, presto, here you are at the doctor's thinking you're infertile, hmm? Look, I don't care if I am infertile, I just want to know what's wrong with me. You can't rely on being infertile to stop you having a baby. That's an old wives' tale. <laughs> So I'd better give you another six months' supply of the pill, otherwise you'll be getting yourself pregnant again. Could I see another doctor, please? We're obviously wasting each other's time. No, 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 no. You're not wasting my time. That's what doctors are here for. To listen. I'll see someone else then. Excuse me, is this the waiting room? Oh, yes, there's young lady. Yes, let's take a seat. George, my fictional friend. <laughs> Heavens, Donald, are you all right, man? Oh, I feel awful. I will right enough, you don't look very well. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm into hospital on Monday, George. Oh, it's funny you should say that, Donald. I knew a chap once, felt terrible. Just like yourself, went into hospital, died. <laughs> Did he, George? Oh, yes, snuffed it. Heart stopped dead. <laughs> Still might not happen to you. Oh, I'm not so sure, George, the way I feel. Oh, nonsense, man. You'll be out in no time. Time for your summer holidays. We were going to Madeira this summer. Funny that. I knew a chap once went to Madeira. Yes, George. Copped it. <laughs> Was it the heat? No, George? I don't think so. He died about ten years later. Fell under a bus. <laughs> it's a shame, you know, George, because I've never been to Madeira. Oh, don't worry about that. I knew a chap once who'd never been to Madeira. He was dead within a week. <laughs> George, people just don't die because they haven't been to Madeira. Not then. Oh, no, no, I think you're right. Of course, yes. No, no, I think the reason he died was... Yes, yes, it's coming back to me now, Donald. The reason he died was because he hadn't been to France. Oh, that was... <laughs> Either that or it was his wife's fault, I think. His wife's oh, fault? Oh, dangerous business wives. I knew a chap once had one died. Hadn't been married 40 years. <laughs> Still, mustn't grumble. Have the doctors mentioned anything to you about dying? No, no. Oh, don't console yourself with that. 
One chap I knew went to the doctors one day with a bad back. Here's a funny thing. Doctor didn't even mention death. Next day, walking along, not a care in the world, or so he thinks, falls off a cliff. Dead. So dead they buried him. Killed himself to death. He did. Dead. Died himself to death. Died so much he died. Dead. Mr. McDermott, the doctor will see you now. Oh, marvellous. I'm looking forward to this. I'll see you in a moment, my fictional friend. Bye, George. Excuse me, is this the waiting room? Oh, yes, certainly. So I says to him, I says, I'm trying to get a word in edgeways, I says, if only you'll listen, I says, if only you wasn't so deaf. And then he says, what? And he'll swear blind he's not deaf. I don't know what he's talking about. Of course he's deaf. He woke up this morning, couldn't hear himself breathing and thought he was dead. <laughs> not deaf. Of course he's deaf. Deaf as a post and about as alert. So I says to him, Lois, I says. Lois. It's not his name, but it's one of my favourites. <laughs> what does it matter if he can't hear me anyway? Well, it's all very well for him, but what about with these three-year-olds throwing hot chip fat at old-age pensioners? Never a blind eye out your father from the parents. They should be put inside for life, what with monsters like that. I don't blame the child, I'd blame the parents. Cause there's nothing you can do with a child like that. Evil, that's what she is, evil. And she should be put away like a rapist. Mind you, they get what they deserve, these girls, with their frowsy blouses and see-through hairstyles. You can see them on the street corners, 10 or 11 years old, just asking to be raped. And the only difference is their parents should be locked up. Grown men and women, grown men and women out on the street, drunk and all sorts of things. What they really need is a damn good hide. It wouldn't happen if they got themselves a decent day's work layabout lout. And if they don't get a good giving to at school, they don't get it at home in their high-rise bungalows. Mind you, it's not even safe at school these days, what with school teachers and little boys and girls, fair game for a big man like that. Didn't stand a chance with that Lolita. Where's the discipline coming from? That's what I'd like to know. Not from the police. They're too busy rioting. Some people say, some people say my sense of humour's a bit black, but I tell them not to be so racist. Anyway, they shouldn't be allowed out on the streets. They should be out on the field singing spiritualists and eating bananas. I don't care what you say. They don't belong in houses, mess all over the floor, smelling something dreadful, but I will say this. They have got a lovely sense of rhythm. It's awful, though, isn't it? It's not right to make fun of the elderly and infirm. It's not proper because they can't fight back, can they? Not after they're dead, anyway. God, eh? Old people. Sorry? Who needs them? Sorry? I was just saying that... My God! What happened to your nose? <laughs> well, it's always been like this. It's hereditary. Yeah? Yeah, my parents sat on me when I was a child. <laughs> well, at least your nose isn't as bad as old people, eh? Oh, come on. Old people are brilliant. I mean, just talk to them. You can find out so much. Oh, the walking textbook theory. What was it really like during the war? Bit? Oh, no, no, not that stuff. Kind of like, you know, what's it actually like to dribble out the side of your mouth? <laughs> what's it actually like to wear those big black bloomers you see hanging on balconies? <laughs> oh, right, you know, right. There's so much we don't know. There's so much we can find out. You know, like, what's it like to have a smelly hallway? You know, to say things again and again and again and again and again. Just saggy breasts and drippy testicles. <laughs> ah, Mrs. Mrs. I'm Dr. Shaw. I understand you're not satisfied with Dr. Perkins' treatment. That's right. I've got a simple headache and he couldn't give me any sort of diagnosis. Ah, well, you see, there's so many diseases these days, it's often difficult to tell what you've got or what you haven't. It's a terrible worry, even for us doctors. Well, can you give me any advice? Well, I'm afraid I can only tell you what I tell all my patients. When I woke up this morning, I couldn't believe it was true. My heart was still beating, I had managed to pull through. There's so many things lurking out there I could have caught. There's seven million diseases in this world, that's quite a lot. 
This isn't a cause for optimism, the fact that I feel through. There's still plenty chance of catching one, or maybe even two. You're always gonna get one in the end. The drag is that some of them never meant the peritonitis, cystitis, tuberculosis, urosis, skin irritations and big constipation, warts and blemishes too. There's eczema and asthma and boils and squits and nothing much you can do. I think this whole thing's a scientist conspiracy To keep them all at work and to put the wind up me Just take one look at the medical dictionary And tell me how anyone can survive after the age of three Your heart can attack you, your liver can pack you Your veins can go furry, you can catch to boo the skin you're always gonna get one in the end So make an agreement, commit Harry Carry With all of your friends The peritonitis, cystitis Tuberculosis, urosis Skin irritation, severe constipation Warts and blemishes too there's eczema and asthma and boils and spits and nothing much you can do. There's apodectomy, vasectomy, infected intestines, tonsillectomy, pains in the chest, cardiac arrest, arthritic knees, venereal disease, hemorrhaging brain. Life is a terminal pain. Thank you very much, Doctor. And just sing that four times a day after meals. Lovely. Next, please. Hello. <laughs> Me again, Shadwell. It's all right, I'm supposed to be here. I pop in every week to do a little poem. Well, I thought I'd do one about doctors this week because, well, I went to the doctor. Actually, Mum gave me a note to take to him. It said, Shadwell has started being cheeky, so I want you to put a stop to it. <laughs> So the first thing Dr. Kavloino said was, do you want to be treated privately? No. All right, I'll examine you in the waiting room then. <laughs> That's why it's called a community health centre, I suppose. <laughs> but the other patients certainly made a lot of very helpful suggestions. I suppose, I suppose they must know something about medicine if they're ill. Mr. Gosainen, our next-door neighbour, thought I'd got an inferiority complex, but he said it don't matter, Shadwell, because you're inferior. <laughs> and then, then Dr. Kavloino told me to undressed down to my underpants and it all went very quiet. The only sound was me undoing the safety pins on my cardigan. <laughs> and there I was, in my pants. And Mr. Gweely said, Shadwell, I think we've seen those pants before, haven't we? <laughs> and I said, yes, Mr. Gweely, they used to be yours. <laughs> my mum bought them from you last winter. They could whole meal underpants, plenty of roughage in them. And then Dr. Kavloino started asking me a lot of questions. Shadwell, why aren't your legs moving? Because I'm sitting down. All right, don't start being cheeky with me, Shadwell. Now, a very serious question. Have you ever thought of committing suicide? No? Well, I think you should. 
Now then, Shadwell, I'm not going to give you a physical examination because you might have something catching, but is there anything, is there anything you want to tell me about? Well, there was one thing, so I said, yes, Dr. Kavloino, I, I keep hearing voices. You hear voices, Shadwell? What do they say? Oh, things like, Shadwell. <laughs> Shadwell, have you made your bed yet? And, Shadwell, where's that loaf I sent you out for? I see, and are there other people about when you hear these voices? Yes. Well, Shadwell, what you've got is incurable. You're stupid. <laughs> Get out. So I went home and wrote this poem. Here it is. Hickory dickory doctor, I don't feel very well. Well, an apple a day will keep me away, so why don't you go ask a greengrocer for a second opinion? <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye, then. Joss, Joss, what's he doing, you man? You look like a cat with no legs. Donald, <laughs> well, I've had some bad news, man. I got to thinking last week, you see, and... Did you, Josh? Yes, I did, I did. And, uh, well, I decided it was time for a change. I decided that for a man of my age, it was time I became a woman. Oh. <laughs> An entirely new experience. We're talking sex change, John. We certainly are, Don. We certainly are. And uh, after careful consideration, I've plumped for Barbara Streisand. <laughs> I don't think she's a doctor, George. No, no. <laughs> you don't understand, Don. I've decided to become Bab Streisand. Or uh, Lauren Bacall, perhaps. George, I think you've missed the point rather crucially here. <laughs> Have I? Yes, you see, the idea of the sex change is that you become a woman, not a particular woman. You mean? I'm afraid so. I mean, you would become, say, Georgina McDermott, not, say, Barbara Streisand. Oh, Donald, I had my heart set in Barbara Streisand, too. A nice house in Hollywood, a film every now and then. <laughs> and, Donald, I've already got the voice off Pat. You don't bring me flowers. Well, I can't deny it. I can't deny that's a remarkable approximation, John. Anyway, Donald, you see, the thing was, I was down at the doctor's, you see. I was down at the doctor's discussing which bits were for the chop and which bits, and which bits I should hang on to. On you know? that subject, John, yeah. I mean, you know, does it still... Well, can you still... Well, can it still... Uh, you know, after the operation, you know, does it still operate? You know, when, when down, down there, is it a question of, you know, like keeping it or does it, does it not? Or, uh, you know, exactly... What, what do you think that it... You know, I mean, should it, George? Oh, I think so, Don. Well, yes, I think so. But I'm afraid, you see, it all doesn't matter anymore. The doctor examined me, you see, prior to the sniff. Of course, of course. And I'm afraid to say I'm in receipt of some grim news, Don. What is it, George? I'm not a well man. I'm afraid I've got taboo. <laughs> Good Lord. I'm afraid so. The doctor thinks it could be lung taboo. <laughs> it could be curtains for me, Donald, the big T. The doctor said, not doctor said I might have a chance, but of course, being taboo, he couldn't tell me too much. Oh, well, George, you never know. Miracles can happen. My grandfather had taboo of the small intestine. Recovered miraculously, did he? No, he died. But he went to heaven, apparently. Oh, it's... <laughs> small comfort to me, I'm afraid. No, no, Donald, at times like this, I feel I might as well just spontaneously combust. No! Oh, George! What a mess, man! 
do as me. Mr. Kennedy, Miss Banks. My name is Mr. Burnham from Burnham, Berriam and Dumpham, Undertakers. Uh, uh, thanks for coming. First of all, may I say how sorry I was to hear about Mr. McDermott's untimely and somewhat undignified demise. Was it unexpected? Uh, well, yes, uh, very. Yes. That's normally the way with spontaneous combustion. <laughs> anyway, where is he? You're standing on him. Oh, terribly sorry. Still, he looks peaceful enough. <laughs> well, well, there's little piles of ash go, yes. Uh, I suppose he's relatively peaceful. Now, did Mr. McDermott happen to mention how he wished his remains to be dealt with? Well, no. He was a bit pushed for time in his final moments, <laughs> as regards the arrangements. It's cremation or burial with us, although in the circumstances, cremation would seem to be somewhat superfluous. Perhaps we should bury him, then. Well, to be frank, that way, in a sense, he gets the best of both worlds. Now, coffins. I've brought a sample of the sort of thing we have to offer. Oh, would you like a hand? No, thanks. I've got one in my pocket. Oh, what about the coffin? It's in there with it. Here it is. Uh, that's a matchbox. It's inside the matchbox. Now, this is a scaled model of our usual coffin. But in the circumstances, I see no reason why we don't just pop old George in this one. Save expense. Um, I understand that he wished to be buried beside his wife. Well, why don't we just open her up and lob him in? <laughs> It'll look a bit silly inside the hearse, that small coffin. We shan't be using the hearse. We do have a fleet of black roller skates for the smaller girls. <laughs> so if that's everything, I'll be off. Right, um, I'll just phone up to make the announcement. Yeah. Yes, hello. Uh, my name's Mr Kennedy, and I'd like to put in a death announcement, please. Sorry, buddy, this is the features desk of the New York Post. Right, where were we? Okay, Nick, that chemical wastage story you were working on, how's it coming along? Fine, Lou. You don't think you're getting too involved? What makes you say that? Well, your nose has dropped off, that's all. <laughs> I'm reassigning you. I want you to cover that one about the old folks' home that's closing down and make way for a pool hall. Okay. I'll do it, Lou. For God's sakes, don't get too involved. Hey, Lou. What, Elaine? I like your bad mood this week. It's good. Gee, thanks. Now, what stories have you pair got for me? Uh, well, Lou, we don't have any. What? No social comment? No upholding the rights of the individual? No being really, 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 really liberal? No matter how crass and predictable it becomes? That's right, Lou. And no me being unreasonable all the way through until the end when it turns out that I'm really a good guy after all, deep down his face and seer, sensitive and aware. Uh, none of that cack either, Lou. And what about my weekly admission? You know, I made a mistake, okay? I'm human, too. <laughs> You're a big man, Lou. Sure. I mean, some people would call you fat, but me, nah. <laughs> I say big. Hey, Lou, you know something? Yeah. What? <laughs> well, uh, Elena, I know, I know we don't have a story this week. Exactly, so I was wondering, can we still have an epilogue? Oh, I see. Uh, I don't know. Oh, please, Lou. Well, I suppose I could cobble together the standard boot. Yeah, Lou, do it. We love the epilogue. Oh, all right, I guess. Oh, Lou, I could kiss you. Oh, come on, Elaine. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. Sure, sure, and I get the hell out of here. I've got a goddamn epilogue to write. See you back here at the end of the show. What will we do in the meantime? I don't know. Find a gag for the end. Make yourself useful. I don't take an ad break for all I care. <laughs> Thank you.
Excuse me, dear. Do you mind if I sit here? No, not at... George! What on earth are you doing here? Beats me. I've been... I've been written into to attend my own funeral. Where on earth is the coffin? It's in the minister's pocket, I think. Oh, she starts. All right. Today, we are looking at the seven deadly sins. Lust, avarice, greed, jealousy, pride, envy, and, and the other one. Whilst being aware... Laziness? What? Is it laziness? Laziness? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Whilst being aware... I'll tell you what it is. It's sloth. Sloth? What sloth? It's any of several sluggish arboreal quadrupeds of tropical America. You mean it's a deadly sin to be any of several sluggish arboreal quadrupeds of tropical America? Well, I'm sorry, but none of this sounds very biblical to me. Well, neither does Esau the hairy man. Yes, but... <laughs> yes, but that's not the point. Esau the hairy man sounds pornographic, not biblical. <laughs> Pornography? That could be it. Being in a porno film! I'm sorry, but being in a porno film is not a deadly sin. Should be. Yes, well, that's a matter of opinion. Well, if you're going to be pedantic. Pedantic? That's a possibility. <laughs> Shut up! The point I'm making is there should only be six. Why should there be seven? Because seven is a mystical number. Seven deadly sins. Seven days of the week. Seven angels standing in the sun. Seven players in a netball team. <laughs> All right, all right, we'll change them, shall we? We'll just revise the Bible for you lot. Today, we are looking at the seven deadly sins. Firstly, not changing your underpants. Leviticus 3, reading from verse 4. Yea, and beware not changing your underpants. Okay, okay, everyone, epilogue time. Alan, Elaine, Nick, get in here. It's time for the epilogue. Oh, terrific, Lou. Right here, Lou. Well, I don't mind telling you guys, I had a hell of a time piecing this one together. What with not having a story this week, and, and then I thought, well, no matter how tough things get in here, they can't be half as bad as they are out there. Just take a look out of that window. See that city out there? It's a living animal. <laughs> it breathes. It eats. It sleeps. It's got a little pair of pointy ears. A big waggy tail. You throw a stick at it, it just goes and gets it and brings it right back. And guys, that's a bit like life. Oh yes, that's a bit like life. Life picks you up. Puts you down. Puts you in. Puts you out. Shakes you all about. It does. <laughs> That's what it's all <laughs> Say, Alan, you don't happen to know any songs about how wonderful life is, do you? Why, Lou? Well, I thought it would be nice on top of the credits. Well, it just so happens that I do, and I happen to have my guitar strapped right over my shoulder. Well, that's a stroke of good fortune. Hit it, Alan. Life is a wonderful thing There's lots of people to meet 
and lots of things to see. Yes, life is full of variety, and there's so many ways to live your life, but there's so many ways to die your death. You can wet your nose and stick it in a socket, or buy a crocodile, put it in your pocket. Stick your head in the oven, get sacrificed by a witch's coven. Get involved in a terrorist outrage, or hang around and wait for old age. You can laugh yourself to death at a really good joke Or buy a thousand peanuts to go for the joke Drink some weed color undiluted Or simply get electrocuted Stick your fingers up your nose And wait until that fingernail grows If you're really wacky just spontaneously combust Or you can inhale over 300 tons of asbestos dust <laughs> On August the 12th, or get yourself to peeping on the national health. You can sneeze your brains out through your nose, or get a song, cut up all your toes. Get caught in a snake up, or catch terminal hiccups. Get crushed by a herd of elephants, or buy a pair of exploding pants. Look, why worry, folks? Death's not such a bad thing. It's been the world's most popular hobby throughout the ages. Let's face it. Some of the world's greatest thinkers and philosophers have subscribed to it. For example, William Shakespeare. William Shakespeare, he wouldn't have it any other Charles way. Darwin. Charles Darwin, you won't be seeing him anymore. Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein dead as you like. Sigmund Freud, stiff as a plank. William Gladstone, ten feet under. Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's some debate over that one. Jesus but everyone Christ. else, there's no question. So come on, let's hear it one more time for all those people who've shown us the way. Okay, that's enough. They're only dead for God's sake. Life ain't nothing. Life ain't nothing, life ain't nothing compared to death. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Bodgers, Banks and Sparks. With the Bodgers, who are Murray Hunter, Johnny No Name, Gordon Kennedy, Pete Bakey, and Moana Banks and John Sparks. Written by Murray Hunter and John Doherty, Moana Banks and John Sparks. Music by Pete Bakey, produced by Alan Nixon. Bodgers, Banks and Sparks was recorded at the Gate Theatre at the Latchmere Battersea. Music by Pete Bakey and the Jim Bakey Big Band.